around the world, engineers and architects, constructors and owner-operators are using Bentley software solutions to design, build and operate the infrastructure that sustains our economy and our environment, including integrated applications and services built on an open platform our solutions enable digital workflows across engineering disciplines and distributed project teams from the office to the field. And today, leverage digital twin technology to help solve the most complex of engineering challenges. Together, we are advancing infrastructure. Welcome to the latest episode of the Engineers Collective. I'm Claire Smith and I'm editor of New Civil Engineer. And in this episode, we're going to be exploring the future of work in civil engineering. But when I say that, we're not going to be talking about the normal project pipelines or government funding that enables the actual work we do. I'm talking about how we undertake that work as a business after two years of working in a pandemic. I've worked at home for part of my week for 15 years now, but for many people in the civil engineering sector, March 2020 heralded a sudden change to working patterns. For some jobs, it worked well, for others less so. And at an individual level, again, some love working from home, others want to be full-time in the office or on site. And there are those who love the hybrid approach that mixes it up. Now the work from home order has been lifted in the UK and concern about the severity of COVID with the Omicron strain currently seems to have lessened. The decision on whether to work more flexibly is firmly back in the court of the employer. So how do we make that work for everyone? To discuss just that, I'm joined by two guests today. From ACON, we have Andy Barker, who is the Chief Operating Officer for Europe and India. And from Ferrovial, we have Strategy and Pre-Construction Director, Grant Mobs. Grant is a chartered civil engineer with 22 years of experience spanning rail, highways, complex viaducts and bridges, aviation, nuclear and offshore structures. He joined Ferrovial in 2011 in a business development role, but has taken an active lead on development of early career engineers, and feel strongly about bringing on the next generation of engineers through giving back to the profession. Andy is an ecologist by training and was Managing Director of ACOM's Environment and Ground Engineering Division before taking on his current role. He now leads the operations for a team of over 12,000 professionals, supporting public and private clients across key infrastructure and property sectors, including defence, transportation, water and energy, as well as all the facets of city planning and design and delivery. So welcome to the Engineers Collective to you both. It's great to have you both with us today. I'm not sure if it's ironic or appropriate that we continue to record this podcast remotely, even though we can now return to the office. But we have found that now we've overcome the technical issues of the podcast, recording remotely works well in bringing people together without coordinating travel. And over the last two years, we've had many international guests that previously we could not have spoken to on the Engineers Collective. So that's one of the positives, but I think it'd be good to start by casting our minds back to this time two years ago and exploring how your firms approached the place of work in February 2020 and what policies you had in place at that time. And can we explore how things have changed? Andy, could you start us off with a look at what ACOM staff were doing two years ago? Was it always full time in the office or in site back then? Uh, yeah, thanks, Claire. Um, thinking back two years, it's, it's quite scary. I struggled to think about two weeks ago some days, but uh, we were very much more present in the office two years ago, but we were in a pretty good place um, because uh, we'd uh, launched a philosophy that we refer to as some freedom to grow. That was started in 2018, started as an initiative in continental Europe and very, very quickly was seeing the benefits of that. So we rolled it out across the UK and um, Ireland as well. 
And that really gives our teams permission and freedom to just choose how and where they work. So it's moving away from the nine to five, moving away from being in the office all of the time. There was some investment needed, making sure people had laptops, mobile phones, because not everybody did, of course, particularly those people who are using big modeling software. But um, in the main, it, it, was a, it was something that was already part of our everyday working that you weren't expected to be in between the office, you know, in the normal office hours and you could work from home. The mantra that we've used throughout that is that if it works for your team, it works for your client and it works for you, then it works for us at um, Acom. And that's something that's um, worked really well for us. And and it was certainly a really big selling point for early careers, people coming into Acom as well. So yeah, there was a lot more people in the office two years ago than, than there certainly is now, um, although it is growing again. Uh, now, but um, it, it was quite a nice transition for us to um, to make that work. It sounds like you're already partway on that journey that everyone else has got undergone over the last two years. Yeah. So Grant, can you set out what Forever's approach was pre-pandemic? Uh, yeah, sure, sure, Claire, no problem. Uh, so yeah, I think probably listening to to Andy, we're we're probably adopting a slightly different approach. Uh, as is probably a little bit more traditional, but we are quite different to a consultancy business. Uh, so we construct, you know, large, complex infrastructure projects, and you know that is the core of our business. Uh, so that really requires us to have a strong presence on site to supervise works from, you know, both uh, a frontline management perspective, but also the support functions such as uh, design, health and safety, quality, environment, consents. Um, so our approach has always been a collaborative dynamic across head office and site locations. It's probably fair to say it seems like a world ago now, but video calls were really primarily reserved for international meetings uh, for kind of early adopters of innovation. So for me, you know, from a business development perspective, and I think for our industry and culturally as a whole, uh, it's important to travel to a client uh, or a partner's office and make you know, visible eye contact. But that said, we're, we've always had quite a, a nurturing and caring ethos at Foravel with regard to employees. So we've grown the business and culture, really enabling open conversations between line managers and their teams. So they, they came up with a, a workaround solution that really made sense for, 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 for everyone, for them. So we had policies in place to support employees going through difficult periods of difficulty or challenging their personal lives. But then in more general terms, there's always been that give and take dynamic, which was uh, quite mature and respectful. Um, but as Annie says, for our ultimate clients, uh, we follow their requirements uh, and what's stipulated in the contract. So under the NEC, the working area is a, is a defined area. So normally, uh, say when we're, we're working uh, with our designers, the designer office is not normally uh, a defined place of work. Uh, so the kitchen table was definitely not. Uh, so for us, that's you know been quite a, a quite a change. But you know, I feel now this time uh, feels like a, a world away. A lot has changed, you know, over the last two years in terms of you know cultural behaviours. So I'm going to still stick with two years ago. So when lockdown happened in March 2020, how did your firms adapt? I mean, was it plain sailing, or were there challenges to specific company functions? You've mentioned a few there, Grant, already, and were there groups of people? needed more help to overcome some of those challenges. Grant, can we come back to you first of all with that one? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I think from a technical and systems perspective, um, we were already pretty pretty nimble in terms of uh, embracing those changes. 
you know, we were well versed in uh, Office 365, which we were, you know, we're an international business. So we were doing a lot of connecting with our international teams uh, and across the wider Froville companies. But personally, we, we you know, we, we look to increase our occupational uh, mental health and well-being offer, carrying out assessments of people's homes, uh, looking at workstations, making sure they had an ergonomic chair, uh, the right screen, uh, the right furniture. Uh, really tailoring all of our communication channels to be available off-site and remote access. From a personal perspective, um, we were doing regular check-ins on people, uh, phoning up, making sure they're okay, and you know, just take a bit of time to listen to to what they were saying, what their issues were. Um, you know, it might be quite a small uh, niggle they were having, but you could you know listen and uh, provide some uh, some you know some some feedback, some context to them. Again, you know. Me personally, uh, challenges with homeschooling, uh, single parent families, you know, taking uh, quite a significant hit in trying to balance, you know, professional work life um, and uh, an home life. But also, you know, people living on their own uh, where, you know, they were using the office as a place to socialise as well as uh, as work. But I think, you know, in terms of productivity, we were finding that initially was up significantly. So during that time, uh, Froville signed uh, with our JV partners the HS2 Mainworks contract, and we use electronic signatures probably for the first time. You know, we negotiated a contract with a client over Teams uh, and ran massive tenders uh, in a completely virtual sense. So going into lockdown, uh, we made a clear commitment at board level that we wouldn't ask anyone to go without during this period. So we were able to top up the payments of anyone on furlough and paid the bonuses from the previous year uh, and maintain promotions and ensure our training provision was enhanced and available to all online. Uh, so we've developed a complete ecosystem also of uh, learning, networking and collaboration, which is basically designed to help our employees to their full potential, proactively take control of their career growth and development. And it was also a time where we were able to look into offering our people uh, in terms of travel allowance, parental leave, healthcare provision, etc., to make sure uh, what they had was suitable, fair and attractive. Uh, and as a result, we launched a new suite of benefits in September uh, 2020. What about you, Andy? How did things just pan out for Acorn? Were you already pretty able to just switch to working from home with all the, the systems you had set up under Freedom to Grow? Yeah, it, it, it was actually a very similar um story to to grant i mean i don't think anyone found it plain sailing there was so much so many unknowns when you look back now about how we approach certain things but uh, um i think as you say overall we were pretty well positioned um, when lockdown was introduced and we were as a leadership team we were just really proud of everyone about how quickly people adapted to the changes that the pandemic brought and and it, it was really important for us looking back to just recognize how resilient people were and how quickly they got on. And we, th- there was always the nervousness about would we see productivity drop off? We certainly didn't see that. And um, I think there was, there was the novelty of people getting on teams early on and there was a real sense of camaraderie, but that soon we had to be very careful. And we, um, th- as Grant mentioned about the check-ins and the well-being, um, we introduced that very quickly to make sure that we were checking in on staff who weren't necessarily the most um, uh, outgoing uh, people. And, and if they were in the office, would have just sat down and got on with their work. We wanted to make sure that they were um, all okay and um, uh, and feeling they got the support that they needed. Likewise, as Grant mentioned, our IT infrastructure held up very well and certainly fit for the purpose of accommodating people working from home 100% of the time. And, and then also balancing that against, you know, we have, we have a huge environmental team 
spending an awful lot of time out on site and it was at a really critical point um, on HS2 and there's a lot of ecology surveys going on and making sure that we got all, um, you know, all the right welfare and um, protection for the staff who were out on site. And then balancing that about the need to get deliverables out and then working from um, working from home to do that. So we've responded pretty, um, pretty quickly and, and got that support in place uh, for people recognizing the need for working parents and uh, our early careers population was one that we really paid a lot of attention to. I, I went on a couple of calls with uh, with early careers. Funnily enough, I've, I'm in the Leeds office today and I've just met up with a couple of them that I spoke to uh, a couple of years ago. And, and I was just asking the early careers at the time how they felt. Some of them were, were fairly fresh graduates and not been into it and asked them how they were feeling about prioritizing their workload and uh, and, and how they were feeling about the quality of their deliverables that they were, you know, reporting or modeling or whatever it was that they were doing. And a lot of them were, were they were really open. It was great to be able to have those conversations. And that they were telling me that uh, first few weeks, they really weren't sure, you know, what time they were supposed to start work, whether, you know, what was the priorities for the day because they didn't have their colleagues and their, their, um, their line managers around them. But very quickly, the majority of those people just got on and did did the work that they needed and a lot of uh, people said that they they really felt the benefit of using microsoft teams to go through project deliverables and and peer reviews of reports and such like because there was there wasn't the distraction of lots of people around in the office so it felt really um, um focused and and personal which i think was um, was a really nice thing to hear we offered mental health support webinars and guidance on digital disconnection, you know, trying to get people out of the office and get some fresh air when we were able to, to do all of that. Um, so a very similar uh, message to Grant, but overall it worked really quickly. We, we had a, a very good year, performance was good and in exactly the same way we were able to reward and to recognize our staff with the promotions and bonuses and all those sorts of things that uh, we really didn't know what was going to happen at the start of, um, at start of lockdown. So you've both touched on the issues I was going to come on to next, which is around well-being. And like you said, Andy, like people didn't really know how to deal with work when they were actually had their office at the kitchen table and they were starting work probably at eight o'clock in the morning or they had kids at home school and they were trying to fit it around that. But that has real challenges for well-being and mental health. So can you expand a little bit more on what you actually did that was different from before around supporting staff for mental health? Yeah, we, we certainly increased our communications and from leadership and the style of the communications. And we had to be mindful because we were coming together as UK uh, and Ireland and continental Europe. And of course, every country was different in the, in the way that lockdown was operating in those countries. So making sure that we, we got positive communications, giving people the support networks they needed, um, mentors, support groups, community, uh, sorry, communal, um, um, engagement and end of week drinks as that the, the people were doing quizzes uh, you know uh, our buildings and places team um, held a lockdown marathon clocking up the miles that they could walk and uh, um, and and uh, I think we we participated in a race from Lands End to John O'Groats in in teams that we were clocking up using um uh, using a, um, a particular app which was which was great fun and really really did um, um, bring out some competition uh, for people but uh, Recognizing that you know you know we're we're a global firm and we we work on projects all over the world and managing you know managing the time zones of people is just making sure that we reinforce the message that the, you know you do get downtime you can go out you can still have time to yourself and uh, and manage your time because it, it was very easy for people who are working you know at the kitchen table to get up get dressed and have breakfast and just start work and before they knew it it was six o'clock in the evening and. Uh, 
and and they'd hardly move. So we've um, we also introduced um, Focus Fridays, where which came as a client initiative. Actually, uh, one of our clients was um, trying to accelerate a program, and uh, we're also having daily update meetings. And uh, one of our bold project managers said. Do you know what? If we stopped having all these meetings and just focus on delivery, we can. Uh, we think we can really improve the um, the timescales for delivery. That went really well, and we had to think about just the amount of Teams meetings that were were, were starting to happen. And we've now said from twelve o'clock on a Friday afternoon, no internal meetings. Obviously, if clients want meetings, then obviously they they come first. But to try and avoid. Uh, team meetings, uh, and you use that time to catch up on whatever it is that you need to catch up on in work, whether it's training, uh, whether it's just clearing the inbox for the weekend or whatever it might be. And that's gone down really well with our uh, staff, and it's something that we've continued um, uh, since. I'm clearly following that policy because I've kept my afternoon clear this afternoon to write a feature for the next issue. (laughs) Grant, what about you? How did did Ferovia support the well-being of its staff? That was perhaps different from before. Um, yeah, it's a good good question, uh, Claire. So, yeah, I mean, we we we've kind of found that one one policy doesn't fit for 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 all because uh, we're we're sometimes working with joint venture partners. Different joint venture partners have different ranges uh, of views and different different approaches. So, for example, one joint venture partner uh, might say two days a week from home, uh, and then another joint venture partner might be saying only one day a week. So the whole success of a JV uh, needs to operate as a one team, one culture. So the JV needs to have a, a uniform approach for all employees, but that would differ between projects. So really, we just need to make sure we're able to deliver business commitments uh, across all of our all of our projects uh, and across all of our roles. Being a, an operational construction firm, much of that has to be done on site. So. Some of our um, positions deliver a supervisory role and need a managerial presence, which can only be done on site. Relationships with supply chain, our clients, integrated teams are key for many of our schemes. And these really can only be nurtured fully uh, when taking place in an environment built for collaborative relations. And as a company, we have to make sure we've got an environment, a culture and policies that have got enough room, though, uh, for grown up and mature conversations about balancing, you know, business and team needs uh, and supporting our people to make sure that everyone is able to be best for their life as you know as Andy, Andy touched on uh, it's getting that work life uh, home life balance and from a safety perspective being able to talk uh, authentically and openly and honestly about you know who you are who we are uh, has always been vital and we see that as a continuation of uh, of that and really our line managers to ensure that that's the approach across the business that we can uh, all rely on. So in March 2020, the guidance was very clear that everyone needed to stay at home and that saw many construction sites stop work completely. And that's something I never thought I'd actually see happen. But since then, the instruction to work from home has been less black and white. It's been more about business needs. What challenges did that bring for you both? Um, so, so actually, I'd say, Claire, that the, the guidance at the beginning was, you know, it was very, very sweeping, very clear. Uh, into Well, I don't think it was actually that clear uh, or particularly that black and white. Um, I think for, you know, for many of our big construction projects, we do an awful lot of tunneling in the UK, uh, and we were, we were active on Thames Tideway Tunnel. And probably to be fair, we had a bit of luck uh, on Tideway because 
initially we were stopped for for three uh, three months, and uh, there was a you know a direct instruction from the client. Uh, and I remember listening to Andy at the I think it was actually at the the NCE talent event, and you know he, he made the bold step of saying you know I'm going to stop uh, stop works. Uh, you know to be fair, you know very visible display of leadership, uh, strong leadership from the from the client. But we were lucky because our drive B, uh, I think it was Kirtland Street to, to Carnworth was actually done. So that was good. Uh, and the other uh, drive C was actually, uh, it was on approach to, to Blackfriars. So we were actually in a safe haven for the for the TBM to, to park because otherwise we could have had some challenges, the TBM getting, uh, getting stuck. So we were lucky there. Uh, and then obviously works works resume once we could get the additional safety measures put in place. But I mean, we found that different clients had different approaches and depending on the size and the unique constraints of each site, how much room you'd got for uh, for welfare arrangements, access arrangements, how many work fronts, et cetera, you know, sometimes difficult decisions you know, had to be had to be made. But it's never been clearer, uh, I think, as a result of the, the whole pandemic that you know people are our asset, uh, and it was our responsibility to to protect teams. You know, whilst obviously business continuity important, but making sure you know we address safety issues, and uh, we couldn't you could, we couldn't uh, avoid the the importance and the impact you know of the pandemic from uh, you know every every reach of life. So. We knew that the, you know, the COVID would pass, but it was important that our, our leadership decisions would be remembered longer term for the right reasons, not the wrong reasons. So we tried to implement long-term sustainable solutions, uh, protecting teams, demonstrating fairness to employees, uh, and really trying to generate loyalty uh, and mutual respect uh, for getting the, uh, through this difficult time together. So I, I would like to add about business need. Uh, so continuity of business is important to be able to continue to be a responsible employer. And uh, for us, where the majority of our people are working out on sites, it's important that our head office staff not only supports them, but also does so visibly. Uh, so building, maintaining relationships across our organisations like this makes us a stronger team and therefore ultimately more effective. So it's not just about challenging those opportunities as well there, I guess. Uh, absolutely. So about you, Andy, what, what issues did it bring when there was like a change in instructions for how we work? Yeah, it was, I mean, when, when we first um, went into lockdown, as you say, everything stopped and we got a huge programme of um, surveys and um and vegetation clearance and, and such like on things like HS2. And, um, you know, that, that, that is seasonal. You, you need to be able to do that at certain times of the year, otherwise you're going to cause some huge program delays. And we, we work really closely with our clients and regulators to work on ways that we could um, start to get back out on site, catch up with, uh, with various programs and, and just make sure that our staff uh, were, were safe on site. One of the things um, that I, I felt was, was really uh, great was the way that our staff started to come up with some quite innovative solutions about how we could go out and you know do safety audits videoing on site and getting you know getting that uh, information back to the teams to um to keep things moving and also developing um digital solutions where where our team and this 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 was something that just came out over a sort of coffee break chat between um our stakeholder engagement team and um our um ai guys and we came up with a virtual stakeholder engagement. And I think this has started to really, really grow now. And um, we were able to use it on a couple of projects um, early and our, our clients loved it. So you, you would be able to go and view proposed developments and uh, make your views known, see fly throughs and um, go into a virtual um, world. And 
and, and our clients loved it because it meant that you didn't have to, um, you know, f from here on in, you know, you've got a digital solution that allows people to um, access uh, opportunities to um, give feedback and view developments remotely and something they probably wouldn't have done before. They probably wouldn't have traced out on a wet Wednesday night to the local village hall, um, whereas they can now do it from the comfort of their own home. So that, I think things like that, and I'm, I'm sure every organisation has, uh, has got really good examples and, and that will now become part of the norm, but we developed out of a, a situation that was necessary at the time. Yeah, it definitely seemed to be an acceleration of acceptance of digital technologies. I mean, the fact we're all now using Teams is a big change, isn't it? I feel quite odd when I'm having a phone call if I can't see someone now. Yeah, well, I was I was thinking about um, uh, that on on the on the first question that you were asking, and actually two years ago we, we we had Teams, but we didn't use it in the way that we use it now, and and most of it was would have most of our calls would have probably been just conference calls that you would have, you know you'd have sat around a table rather than look at it on on Teams, and and I think now. Um, the way that we use Teams is that you're you're constantly looking at a screen, and I couldn't. I was thinking recently, I couldn't remember the last time I'd actually phoned somebody on a mobile. <laughs> I, I am when I'm on a mobile phone, even if I'm in the office, I don't just sit there. I will pace around, and uh, and uh, used to get a hell of a step count up as a result of doing that. And now you feel almost obliged to sit and look at somebody um, on on Teams and do it. And uh, that that's something that I'm thinking about as we get back into the office. That I am going to start calling people on a mobile phone and not just. Uh, um, and, and sit and look at them. Obviously, it's fantastic because if you're sharing screens and wanting to run through ideas, but if it's a general, you know, well-being catch-up or just a, a catch-up with your team, then I'm, I'm all up for going back to a mobile phone and strolling around whilst doing it. So. That's the thing for listeners who are listening to this, we are actually all looking at each other on Teams, even though we're recording remotely, <laughs> because actually we have a proper conversation as if we're around a table. So um, it's not just listening to each other's voices, although you are at home. So research by the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development found that more employers were reporting that homeworking boosted productivity as the pandemic went on. You've already touched on the thing about productivity. Is that something you found too, that it's, it's improved? Obviously, you're getting employees coming up with ideas and things like that. Yeah, I, I, I was I was going to elaborate a little bit earlier that you know we, we're getting all these good ideas, but but and productivity definitely did go up. But the, there's a real need to make sure that we balance that against the well-being. I mentioned earlier, people are you know coming and sitting at their desk and starting the day, and then you know eight, ten, eleven, twelve hours later, in some cases, particularly um, in an organisation like ours where we've we've got every time zone going, and you know, some some people were telling us that they were on calls at six o'clock in the morning and not finishing till ten o'clock at night. Obviously, that wasn't constant, but but nevertheless, it's something that we've had to be really mindful of. So yes, productivity certainly does go up. You don't have the commute time, so that that in you know in some ways that's that's wasted time if you're driving. You know you can't you can't be productive if you're on the train. Of course, people people tend to um, catch up on work, but it's making sure that you've got that balance to to um, to allow people to get some time back, and um, that I think is something. And particularly for our early careers and those who've um, graduated and joined us through um, through the lockdown, you know they've not been in the office. And uh, as we move back to the office, we are wanting people only to come in really if they're going to collaborate. What we don't necessarily want to see is people coming and sitting at a desk and doing something they could equally do at home. And um, and we did uh, we've done several surveys um, of our staff pull surveys and the overwhelming results of that is that people are happy to be in the office but probably no more than two or three days a week and we're starting to think about how we structure our 
office space and workplaces to um, to reflect that need for the future. So it's it's not just about having banks and banks of desks with screens. It's more about creating collaborative um, space, meeting meeting rooms, and um, and some thinking space. What about you, Grant? How did Ferrovial find the productivity change with lockdowns and work from home? Yeah, so just really picking up on uh, on what Andy said there. So as we went into lockdown, the lease was up on our office and we were kind of a bit of a fork in the road. There were a lot of companies, firms out there that were scaling back their office. And what we have done is we've actually taken on a larger office. So we've actually increased our office footprint by around 20%. Uh, but really just picking up on what Ali said, we've, we, we've kind of changed the, the configuration of how we use the office. So we, we would see now the office is much more around teams coming together to collaborate. As Ali says, if, if, if there's a task that can be done at home, then don't commute for, you know, an hour and a half coming in. So we are, when we are bringing people in, it's about collaborating, getting people together. Uh, so we, we selected a site that's got uh, an excellent approach to, to well-being uh, community. So it's got some great outside spaces to, to, to be able to go and um, collaborate both inside the building and outside the building. Uh, we've installed sit-stand desks throughout, uh, but also really in terms of state-of-the-art equipment to be able to connect with co- uh, colleagues and offices around the world. Uh, so kind of the, the team's environment, whereas before it was always, oh, can't quite hear the, whoever sat at the back of the room uh, or that person that's just slightly off camera. Uh, so we've now designed uh, meeting room spaces much more with the, the focus being four teams meeting. So everyone's visible. It's got good sound, good, good, good vision, but also natural light. Uh, so, you know, well-being really coming to coming to the fore. Um, but I, I suppose really just to, to reflect on how uh, how it found how we found it from a productivity uh, perspective. So I think initially the the uniqueness of working from home it did it did show there was a there was an increase in productivity. But we've kind of seen that that isn't sustainable longer term. Uh, so we, we found that you know productivity, clarity, and focus has perhaps waned a bit now over time, and people are actually wanting to come back. And I think we touched on earlier. We've we've taken on twenty percent more more staff actually through through COVID, which those people haven't necessarily seen the the Froville culture or really kind of felt that sense of belonging to a team. And that's really what we're we're looking to do is to bring bring those individuals into the more into the into the fold of the the culture so that they can really really understand Froville and our, our our personality. So we've managed to get you know, back into the office now, but recognising different personality styles and different working styles. So, you know, the introverts, extroverts, uh, really trying to bring, bring how, how's the best way to, to keep the energy levels up with both of those, uh, both of those groups. Um, yeah, but the new office, brilliant coffee machine, Claire, so you're, you're welcome <laughs> any, uh, anytime soon. Same for you, Andy. I think that's, uh, I'll take you off on that. I think that's the one, one thing that people judge our offices on is, you know, as you, as you visit other offices, why don't we have that style of coffee machine? And they do. So it's, uh, it, it, but I think the, the point you make about, um, culture is really important. And, um, uh, you know, when, when you're working remotely, it, it, it's great. You can, you, we've got all the policies and we've got all of the, the guidance and, um, you know, a really rich ecosystem with, with information on it. But it's only really when you get into the office and you're working with your colleagues and really understand the organization as a whole. I and mean, we've, we've got, um, 
we've got a graduate program advance um, that that used we used to get all of the graduates together several times a year, and obviously that's not um, that's not been able to happen over the past uh, couple of years, and we're about to embark on the next one. Um, next week, which will be virtual, but we cannot wait to start getting all of those graduates together to just um, so they get the feel of what it's like to be part of uh, to be part of ACOM. Yeah, certainly the last two years have been really uncertain in terms of what we're going to be doing, where we're working, things like that. But now we've gone back to Plan A in England, and the other nations have also relaxed their guidance, and it looks like we might well lose the requirement to isolate next month too. It feels like the risk of work from home orders is gone or certainly diminished. So what does the future hold? Does that mean that we just go back to the same work plans that we had two years ago? And what policies are you putting in place to actually support staff as we come into this period so they ha- don't have uncertainty about what's expected of them? So, so I think as, a, as an industry, automation, DFMA, digital tools, you know, they're, they're, they're a massive help for the industry in our sites uh, and supporting operations. So, for example, out at Heathrow, uh, one of the things we've, uh, we've implemented, uh, service tunnel, confined space, now we don't necessarily need to have everyone going down there to do you know routine inspections taking the client down there so we can we can basically minimize the number of people that are are going into that confined space so obviously significant health and safety benefits but we're still building on site so we do need to maintain that physical presence you know to to manage uh, monitor and share ideas you know bouncing ideas off one another in that team uh, team environment back to the coffee machine you know great ideas come from standing around whilst you know you're making a making that you know that mocker so everyone i think has a has an important role in contributing to the success of, of projects you know and uh we want to bring people together and sometimes you know that online dynamic does that does that really generate those those ad hoc conversations maybe not and what we're really looking to do is to make sure that we have got that human contact. So maintaining a flexible model is important, uh, but connections do need to be made with people in real life. You know, from a from a bidding perspective, we need to build relationships. We need to work quickly, agilely. Things change, uh, you know, bounce off uh, one other ideas. And, you know, that team environment on site is really key for sharing information and, you know, and experiences. Um, so... You know, I think as I touched on earlier, we we grew our employees by about twenty percent during the pandemic, and that's you know a big chunk of our team that you know we haven't yet met, which is really unusual for us. And we're we're a real family organisation, so that doesn't sit comfortably for us. You know, we like knowing the people behind the roles and learning you know how how to work together. So you know, I think Andy touched on the roadshows. We we are hopeful to we can go back to face to face roadshows. Obviously, guidance permitting. So we believe you know having leaders being accessible, uh, approachable, is really key. And you you can't really get that from uh, you know remote remote working. So our apprenticeships and graduates they they make up I think about twenty four percent of our company. Uh, and again, we want to make them have the opportunity to to meet us, to really understand our culture. Uh, and we want to hear from them because, you know, often that graduate uh, or apprentice, you know, why are you doing it like that? And, you know, yeah, that's, that's a good question. So we want them to have a voice to be able to, to, you know, to, be able to share their views and thoughts on, you know, the, the future. I think as an industry, we need to nurture that young talent. And, you know, this morning I was given a, a brief into the apprenticeships because uh, we've got a fire alarm in the head office or a fire alarm test in the head office. And I thought, 
probably not a good idea to uh, to do that when uh, when I'm on the podcast. So I couldn't actually go there to meet the graduates. And you're trying to you know meet meet twenty graduates over a Teams. They're all in the room. You're remote. Doesn't work. You, you, you can't you can't build that relationship with them. So getting back to that face to face is uh, is really going to be uh, important going forward. What about you, Andy? Are you fully embracing hybrid working or do you have some staff who are fully working from home or some that are just solely office-based? It, it, it's, it's a real mix, but we're, we're going to continue to live by freedom to grow. Um, I think the one thing that has shown us is that we we can operate and it works really well. And if there were any, there were always going to be a few doubters when you start something like that. But we, we, we have proved that, um, you know, we can operate very successfully um, uh, remotely. So we will be continuing um, w- with freedom to grow, definitely. Um, we do recognise that it's not a one size fits all anymore. And, um, you know, we, we do have some home workers, but uh, I think I said earlier, the overwhelming um, message we're getting from our staff is that, you know, they want to be in the office at least two to three days a, a week and and have the ability to work from home or work remotely. So that's something that we uh, uh, we want to continue. The point Grant made about visible leadership is absolutely running through the heart of every leadership conversation that we have. And um, as a leadership team, we're committing to getting around all of those offices. We, uh, we'd set in place just before Christmas that uh, we were going to start um, going going around all of the uh, offices and um, just starting to meet people, not least all of those people who've started within our business and haven't necessarily met any of us and um, and, and have those um, great conversations. I, lo- I love the point, uh, Grant, about the uh, the early careers person who, um, why are you doing it like that? That is absolute gold dust uh, for us and um, uh, we can't wait to get to have those conversations in person again because there are so many good things that come from them and uh, and um, you, you really do only get that on a face-to-face basis. So, Andy, you touched on there that it's difficult to have a one-size-fits-all policy. Do you see any tension developing between staff who can't work from home or those who have seemed to be having exceptions made for them? How do you make sure that no one's discriminated against as we move forward in this new way of working? Well, again, I think the whole point of Freedom to Grow is allowing people to work in the best way that... Um, uh, for for them and and, and um, as I mentioned, it needs to work for the clients and it needs to work for the teams. But but overall, that usually fits together quite well, and it is um, making it work for the individual as well. And and none of that was is with any judgment. If somebody decides to take a couple of hours out in the afternoon um, for whatever purpose that might that might be, and they make it up in uh, nine ten o'clock at night, as long as they're accessible and people can get hold of them when it's needed, then it works really well. So there is no judgment. And that was something that I think when we first rolled it out, people might were a little bit concerned about. And it, it takes that leap of faith and putting that trust in um, uh, in our staff. And that's something that I, I, I am really proud of the way that all of our staff have embraced that. And uh, and in particular, the line the line managers. We, we recognise that it's d- definitely not a one size fits all. Um, and, and I think that the way that we uh, we work um, allows people to be able to do the right thing for them. But of course, there's still an expectation that you you have an office. We we do have, as I say, we do have some home workers, but in the main, uh, you, you are affiliated to an office. But what it's allowed us to do is be much less prescriptive uh, when we're advertising a role for it to be in a particular location. That that's just gone completely. It means you know you can access the best people whether they're in, you know whether they're in Lands End or in in, in the depths of Scotland and. Uh, um, the way that we've worked over the last two years just proves that that can work really well for us. Um, what about you, Grant? What about for overall? Yeah, I mean, uh, as we as we touched on, uh, we're we're an operational construction firm, so you know most of that is done on site. 
So as we said, you know, positions need to, in supervisionary roles, they need to have a, a management presence on site. So we are trying to take a, a pragmatic approach, uh, c- culture and policies that have enough room for, for grown up and mature conversations around balancing business and team needs, uh, supporting our people to ensure that everyone else, you know, is, is able to balance, you know, home work life balance, you know, from a, from a safety perspective, being able to talk authentically and openly and honestly of who we are and how uh, how we are has always been vital. So, you know, we see this as a continuation of that uh, and support line managers to ensure that this is the, the approach we adopt across the business. So does the hybrid working approach actually mean that civil engineering and construction could become a more inclusive industry to work in and open up jobs to those who perhaps have disabilities that make it difficult to travel to an office or have family commitments that make tr- um, commuting tricky? perhaps live too far away from urban office locations to actually take up a job that would be perfect for? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah because of all of the above and, and what, what, what I was saying earlier and, and definitely the enabling technology and the, the fact now um, when, we, when we first went into lockdown, we started to think about what the, what the right kit was for people um, being at home. We didn't know how long they were going to be, be needing it, but it, it soon became... Um, fairly obvious that we needed the, you know, the the office environment or the office equipment um, recreating in the homes of a decent chair, decent um, workspace for people, and um, and screens and, and and such like. So that's something that um, uh, we operated quite quickly, and and now that has become part of our norm on our re- on our recruitment. So it does allow us to um, be more open in how we recruit people from from any part of the country and from any background. And um, of course, there's a there's a there's a risk around that that you, there's. Diminishing networks. If you if you're working home and remotely all the time, you don't have those opportunities for um, standing around the coffee machine. As uh, and 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 you know, just those snatched conversations of oh, by the way, whilst you're here, you know, you have to really think about that when you're working remotely and pick up the phone or set up a Teams message and um, uh, set up a Teams call, should I say? So it it, it is um, there. There are some downsides, but overall, I think overwhelmingly um, there are, there are positives and. Uh, We've just got to make sure that those who are working at home are not excluded, and um, that's how we, that's how we've um, thought about how we do how we do our town halls and uh, office roadshows in the future. How do you include those people? So, I mean, in our Leeds office, um, um, we did do a, a, our first uh, well, first one that I was involved in a, of a hybrid town hall. We had about seventy or eighty people in the in the office when we were able to do that, but also had that recorded and open on a laptop, and um, that worked really, really, um, really, really well. So. Think things like that, we've been able to adapt to and um, and make it work for us. Grant, I guess you've still got the challenges, haven't you, of working on site? So perhaps it's more difficult for you to use the hybrid working to be more inclusive than you were previously. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, we can't ignore uh, this this uh, this new dynamic, you know. And I think it's fair to say it, it is a real positive to come out of the the pandemic. But I think we see it's more than having a job. Uh, delivering everything online and remotely, I think that, you know the whole point around businesses uh, and individuals, you know, coming together, the the employees experiences much much more. We've had people kind of join right at the beginning of the pandemic, and you know they were they were working at home for nearly you know over a year, and they'd never been near head office. You know, we met that you know you, we met you know new 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 members of the team online, but. As good as Teams is, it just doesn't really give you that that personal connection, that 
that informal conversations outside of the you know the formal the formal let's have a meeting on on this particular topic there's you know there's not an opportunity to 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 meet that individual and you know really really understand you know what makes them tick outside of a, a professional uh, environment so i think it's we're not quite nailed it yet uh, but it's having you know real flexible policies accessible spaces environments for employees to come in and work you know to, to get that balance and you know we're not quite there yet i don't think but there's more to be uh, more to be done across our industry i would say so before the pandemic hit could you see a change in attitude when it came to hybrid working within the civil engineering civil engineering industry if so how long do you think it would have taken to get to where we are today if we hadn't had the pandemic or do you think we would never have got there oh, that's a really good question i think i think we would have got there um, I think it would have taken an awful lot longer. I mean, I, I've, I've said it a few times now, but um, the freedom to grow was the start of that for us. And um, and I think it was enforced, uh, um, you know, the working from home because of the because of the lockdown that just really accelerated uh, things. So so I, I think it's a lot. It's it certainly happened a lot quicker. And I think it's here to here to stay now. Before the pandemic, the thing that uh, we were getting uh, uh, requests from uh, when people were looking to join the company was how many days am I able to work from home or can I work from home? But now that is just expected that um, that, that is just part and parcel of, um, you know, modern uh, working in the um, in, in our sector. For me, it's really just about a balance of making sure that we're working as efficiently as we can, that we can continue to support our staff and, and develop the talent that, that we've got to support our clients. That's, that's really it, it for me. What are your thoughts on the contractor's perspective, Grant? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think we could see it coming. Probably definitely, definitely trends there. Uh, you know, as Andy, Andy touched on, uh, a lot of the, the, the younger generations, uh, the new graduates coming into the industry, uh, some some new innovations uh, disrupting the the status quo. You know, we we were hearing signs that the the home working was definitely more more important. So you've got to listen to that feedback if you want to attract people into the construction industry. You, you've got to listen to to, to new recruits. Um, I mean, Froville is a global uh, organization, so we we're already working with different uh, locations internationally around the globe. Uh, particularly sharing best practice with uh, with different teams uh, in the US, Spain, etc., and even Australia. Uh, so what we were doing was, you know, making events, information, making things more instantly accessible and inclusive. So, but you know, even even closer to home, say on HS2, uh, we're working in the central section, 80, 80 kilometers of trace. Uh, you know, it's impossible to be everywhere. So we were starting to see there how we can collaborate more efficiently and effectively uh, where you have got long uh, long linear infrastructure um, projects and you know we started to uh, develop VR technology uh, virtual site visits uh, and uh, I think as touched on earlier uh, particularly when you're you're entering in confined spaces uh, working airside say at Heathrow having that VR technology was was very helpful for us but client, clients, I think, have got a key role as well, um, particularly uh, we touched on earlier around the, the working area. So, you know, being more agile in terms of where where do you know, the designer or the contractor staff, where do they sit? Being more more efficient. So, you, you know, you're not being efficient uh, sitting on the train for an hour and a half each way when that could be more uh, increasing productivity 
or you know just indeed giving uh, a bit more work-life balance uh, back to back to that employee so it's just it's working smarter I would say. So we, we talked earlier about the challenges for early career engineers but what does hybrid working mean in terms of career development though? I remember when I was a new engineering graduate more, year, more years ago than I'm going to confess here it was a great help to be able to turn around and just have a quick chat with uh, my colleagues to actually question them about things but for earlier career engineers now though working remotely surely means it's harder to learn from the more experienced engineers in their team and difficult to get those questions answered easily and sometimes they feel nervous about asking a question uh, could we be missing out on valuable career development with the move away from purely office-based work yeah I, I think that's the balance that we've really got to get and that's the message we've been getting um, a very clear message we've been getting from our early careers people is that that um and and i find it really interesting that throughout uh, lockdown and, and as we were starting to come out and we, we, we've we um, been encouraging people back into the office, it's definitely the early careers people who've been uh, who've been the first to come back and it, and it, they really value those um, face-to-face conversations and that's what we've got to get the balance between making sure that there is some coordination um, as people come back into the office to make sure it isn't just all early careers or it isn't just leaders in there and that you get a balance and trying to encourage teams to come back together and certainly on the multidisciplinary teams when working on big infrastructure programmes like uh, uh, you know some of the big highway schemes or HS2 then we, we, we need teams to work together to make sure that we're getting the best out of it and that engineers learn the environmental uh, the environmental requirements and environmentalists uh, understand the implications of what they're doing for engineers so that it all comes together um, um, to be ultimately um, an, a, 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 you know, a, a good scheme. So I think that that's probably the most important um, uh, thing for us and, and, and part of our guidance to our line managers and to our teams is to make sure that we, you know, we, we make sure that the right people are in the office uh, to give that support to our early careers people. Grant, you were going to jump in there earlier as well. I, I was, I was, sorry, yeah. Sorry, sorry. No, no, it's fine. Um, so I'm, I'm quite passionate uh, in terms of bringing on uh, our new engineers. So me personally, I'm uh, the lead supervising civil engineer uh, for Froville for the ICE programme. Uh, so I, I do a lot of mentoring, direct mentoring of uh, of our graduates, uh, but also uh, we've started to support the, the ICE Quest Scholars programme as well. Great programme, uh, just as an aside. Um, so I've really been close to their development and really witnessed, you know, firsthand the benefit, uh, of when they are actually working, you know, with their, with their line manager, with their delegated engineer, uh, on site. So, you know, we've, we've always supported our early career professionals across the organization, you know, ensuring their access to people, experiences, you know, challenging, uh, levels of responsibility. So, really growing growing our engineers uh and you know we've we've seen some uh, some great results uh as a as a result of it but for you know for us as a as an organization you know uh when we be- began in the uk and um, we, you know, we were just a very handful of uh, of people so we've kind of created that uh i suppose you could call it an invisible bond it's it's not really tangible it's quite intangible um but it's it's about you know liking respecting the people that you uh, you work with always having the, you know the time to uh, to listen and help one another so i don't know what the formula is uh, we don't really understand it but um you know that bond is really about uh, from uh, from working uh, with each other physically in, uh, in 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 person so you're both talking a little bit about line managers there people skills aren't something that always come naturally to everyone do you think perhaps we need to implement training for managers to best support their staff if hybrid working is going to become the norm 
because it goes beyond the normal skills of being a manager, perhaps, and identifying people who are having challenges and how to solve those or resolve those earlier. I would agree. You know, I think that's that is important. Uh, I think you know, training training is important. Full stop. Um, you know, I think uh, hybrid working you know shouldn't affect that, but uh, I suppose does there need to be a refocus? Yeah, maybe. But I think the fundamentals of managing teams well and communicating with them fairly and appropriately remains the same. I think it is hard sometimes to to make that connection over teams. Sometimes if you're not there in the room with the the individual or team you're with, sometimes it's hard to read the the body language of 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 an individual over teams. And you know, that kind of comes back to the to the well-being point of view. I think if you're in a room, you can kind of sense you know is that is that individual okay whereas over teams sometimes you know they're smiling grinning but maybe under the surface they're they're not okay and i think that you know that does come back to that face-to-face uh in the in the office i guess that's the other thing is when you have a big group of people on a team school sometimes people switch off their cameras and you don't always know what people's reactions are do you yeah, I mean, very similar. I mean, we we carried out, we recognised this very early on, so we've carried out training support, hybrid working, and uh, and we're going to continue that um, as people come back into the offices. We're coming out of the pandemic, we, you know, we're going to have people who are managing people at home and in the office, and and as I was saying, that is really important that we continue to listen um, to what the needs are and what further support tools, resources they're going to need to make hybrid working a success and. We've got a, a focused support to line managers um, for our early careers um, population in particular, as I mentioned earlier, about making sure that we get the right people into the office so that they're there together and can have those meaningful conversations about careers and um, and well-being and what support people need. So th- that is a particular group of, uh, of people within our business that um, I-, I think over the past two years that come out of uh, academia into the workplace and it's all been remote so there's a huge opportunity to um, um, help um, accelerate those careers by having the right conversations um, with line managers and making sure the managers are equipped to be able to do that. I think that's just about all we've got time for today thank you both for joining me today it's been really interesting discussion I think there are lots of challenges ahead there's lots of issues here that we may never have all the answers to, but I'm really excited by the change in attitude in the industry with regards to work-life balance. Now we just need to make sure that that is a balance that's even for everybody. So join us again for another episode of The Engineers Collective. The Engineers Collective is powered by Bentley Systems with industry-leading software solutions used by professionals in organisations of all sizes for the design, construction and operation of roads and bridges, rail and transit, water and wastewater, public works and utilities, buildings, campuses and industrial facilities, Bentley can help accelerate your digital transformation. To find out more, visit www.bentley.com forward slash The Engineers Collective.